believer in Christ, have you been praying for divine intervention or God's help in real, overwhelming needs in your life? Have you asked Jesus to immerse and envelop you in the power of the Holy Spirit? The same power that he operated in to heal the sick, cleanse lepers, cast out demons, raise the dead, and perform mighty miracles is available to you today through the same baptism in the Spirit that he himself received. The next few minutes can revolutionize your life as you learn how to be clothed with power from on high. Welcome to the Real Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been more desperate. Jesus prophesied, An hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the written and rhema prophetic word of God that he is revealing in this hour is our goal. Affecting real change in the hearts and minds of believers in Christ in order to fulfill the purposes and plans of God is our purpose. Friends, throughout this teaching series, I am leading you on a journey to discover the real truth about a matter second in importance to none except salvation itself, which is the matter of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Each segment of teaching is one vital link in that journey, which leads ultimately to the real truth concerning the role of the third member of the Godhead in your life, whom Jesus himself called the Helper, that is, the blessed Holy Spirit, the living waters of God. The Cause of the Great Persecution of the Early Church And what was this great persecution of believers that occurred after the death of Stephen all about? It was all about that people were following the name, the cause, the purposes of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because these people had received of that great outpouring, that original outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. What many commentators and expositors concerning this matter of the great persecution of the early church fail to recognize is the fact that all this demonically inspired persecution was all because of what happened on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost was poured out upon those 120 believers, and then 120 multiplied themselves, so to speak. 
into 3,000 more. And there were 3,120 on one day who had received of this power of the Holy Spirit when they received the promise of the Father. They too received the power of God in their lives and began to speak in other tongues and were filled with ecstatic, overflowing, exceedingly great joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Supernatural demonic persecution, not mere flesh and blood. Thus, it was not just flesh and blood that was bringing forth this great persecution against the church, but rather it was inspired by Satan himself. For we war not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers, and the evil forces of wickedness at work in the heavenly places, Ephesians six twelve. And Satan was enraged that the Holy Spirit had now come upon the church and empowered them with great power, dunamis power, the power of God himself, to plunder his kingdom and counter his power. And truly, the works that Jesus did, did these witnesses also begin to do and even greater works than Jesus did, did they do. The Apostle John tells us that it was for this cause, for this reason, for this purpose, that Jesus was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil, 1 John 3, 8. And this is precisely what was happening through these people that belonged to the early church. They were destroying the works of the devil by bringing forth healing, deliverance, and great works of power as a result of having been baptized in the Holy Spirit. See also Acts 2, 43-47. It was the religious evil spirits that caused this great persecution to rise up against the church. And it was these evil religious spirits that caused Saul to breathe out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And it was these same evil spirits, these religious evil spirits, that caused the Apostle Paul, in his own words, to think that he, quote, had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, end quote, Acts 26, 9. It is the same evil, sadistic, and self-righteous spirits that caused him to, quote, lock up many of the saints in prison, verse 10, having received authority from the chief priest, but also when they were being put to death, he said, he cast his vote against them. And, he goes on to say, as I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme, and being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. Though it is shocking and offensive to the religious mind to hear such a thing, 
this man named Saul, a self-described, quote, Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, end quote, Philippians 3, 5, without a shadow of a doubt, was himself demonized with a religious spirit of murder that caused him, in his own words, to be furiously enraged at these believers. And in verse 2 of chapter 9 of the book of Acts, he says that when he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he would bring them bound to Jerusalem. Enjoying this podcast? Please take a minute to pray if the Lord would have you to help us with the substantial financial burden of this program. We receive no grants or funding from any organization or government agency and no other means of support than the gracious and generous giving of our listeners. SLM Inc. bears the entire burden. In about 30 seconds, you can donate at paypal.me forward slash SLM Inc. Again, that's paypal.me forward slash S-L-M-I-N-C to give any amount. Thank you for your gifts, generosity, and graciousness. Continuing with the story in verse 3 of chapter 9 of Acts, it says, As he was traveling, there are those listening to the sound of my voice and reading these words, and as they are continuing to travel on their own idolatrous, made-up, humanly contrived road of religiosity, they are about to have a divine encounter with the truth, Jesus, also. It happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and that light, we know, was the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And picking back up in Acts 9, 4, it says, quote, And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? I think it is very important that you notice this word, Lord. He called him Lord. Though he did not know his name, he knew without any doubt that the voice speaking to him was the Lord. And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, you need to understand that when you are persecuting the saints of God, when you are mocking and ridiculing those who belong to the way, those who have been saved by the power of God, have been adopted into the very family of God because they have received of the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit with manifest evidence testifying of that fact, you are not just persecuting them. You are persecuting Jesus himself. Jesus so identifies with his brethren, God's children, that he takes persecution against them personal. 
Jesus continued on speaking to Saul in verse 6. It says, But get up and enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, listen to this phrase, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. There are many reading and hearing these words right now that though your eyes are open, you can see nothing of what God is trying to show you in the spirit realm because you do not have eyes to see and you do not have ears to hear because you are merely walking in fleshly Christianity. You are walking in intellectualism and intellectual Christianity, and you have not been baptized in the power of the Holy Ghost. You have not received that very thing that you've been mocking. And so, though your eyes are open, you really cannot see at all. Though in your spiritual delusion you think you see, there is no servant who is as blind, God says, as the servants of the Lord who think they see, but yet they do not see. They are blind. Isaiah 42, 19. And if you can read the entirety of the Bible and not see this matter of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and how real it is, and how true it is, friend, you are blind. I don't care what your place is in the church. I don't care how long you've been going to that or the church. You are blind. I don't care if you sing in the choir. I don't care if you're a deacon. I don't care if you're a Sunday school teacher. I don't care if you are the preacher. I don't care if you're the president or overseer of the denomination you're affiliated with. If you cannot see in the entirety of the Bible the truth, the reality of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, friend, you are spiritually blind. I condemn you not for that. But I am just telling you, as a servant of the Lord, as a spokesman of the Lord, that you are blind, and you need to pray and beg God to send you and Ananias to come to lay hands on you that your eyes might be opened. And as the Apostle Paul was praying, Jesus spoke to a certain disciple named Ananias, and Ananias came and laid his hands upon this man named Saul, in order that the scales might fall from his eyes, in order that he might see. Verse 8 continues on to say, And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. Beloved, if you do not see this matter, if you've not yet received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you need to allow somebody to lead you by the hand in your spiritual blindness, 
and bring you into Damascus, bring you into the place of the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ to be able to receive this wonderful promise of the Father called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul received the baptism in the Holy Spirit when Ananias laid his hands upon him, Acts 9.17. And though the text in that chapter of Acts does not explicitly mention that he spoke in tongues at that moment, we do know that he did indeed receive the gift of tongues with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because this man named Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he himself testified in 1 Corinthians 14.18, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. He said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Not only that, but in 1 Corinthians 14.5, he said, Now I wish that you all, speaking of all believers, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. And we know that this was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, for it says in Second Timothy 3.16 that every word in this Bible is God-breathed, God-inspired. And so we know that these words were not inspired by the Apostle Paul, but they were inspired by the Holy Spirit himself. And so it is God himself who is saying to us through the Apostle Paul, now I wish that you all spoke in tongues. Thus, certainly, this is undeniably, incontrovertibly, the desire of God for every born-again believer, that they speak in tongues as a result of receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The Damascus Road versus the Damascus Room Experiences of the Apostle Paul. Though I've been quoting from and commenting on the account of the Apostle Paul's experience, for what I'm going to discuss now, let's look at the entire account recorded in Acts 9, 1 through 17. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus. And suddenly a light from heaven flashed all around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told you, what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. 
Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing, and leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is Stephen Lambert. A complete catalog of my books and audiobooks is available at the Real Truth Publications website at realtruthpublications.com. That's realtruthpublications.com. Now, I think it's absolutely critical and in keeping with what we've already been discussing concerning the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and the two different distinct and separate workings of the Holy Spirit, one in the regeneration or at salvation, and the other when a person is baptized in the Holy Spirit, for us to look at two things here in this last verse, verse 17. When Ananias entered the house, and after he laid his hands on him, according to what Jesus told them to do, he said to him, Brother Saul. He addressed him as being a brother. From this we can rightly deduce and know that at this point that Ananias came to the room in Damascus where Saul was staying, three days after the Damascus Road experience, Saul had already been saved. Indeed, he had been saved during that Damascus Road experience, when the Lord Jesus appeared to him in the form of a light from heaven that flashed all around him, knocking him off his horse, as well as all of those who were accompanying him, at which time the Lord Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
His response was, verse 5, Who are you, Lord? It is important that we notice, as mentioned before, that Paul knew at that moment that this was the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Lord Almighty, God Almighty, the Maker and Ruler of the universe. He had no doubt when he met Jesus that he was Lord, even though he was not sure at that moment what his name was. And then when he asked him, Who are you, Lord? He responded and said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now we see in verse 17 that Ananias was sent by Jesus himself to lay hands upon this man named Saul, who later became the apostle Paul. Ananias laid his hands upon this man who was already a brother in the Lord, because he addressed him as brother. And we know these words were inspired by the Holy Spirit as they are recorded in the Bible. This man named Saul was already a brother to Ananias, because he had been adopted into the family of God as a result of his encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And being a born-again believer, he was therefore a legitimate candidate for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus sent Ananias to lay his hands upon him, according to what he himself said, quote, that he might recover his sight, end quote, and that, quote, he might be filled with the Holy Spirit, end quote. Now, I know that people teach that he was just being filled with the Holy Spirit at this moment in regeneration, but that cannot possibly be because he was already calling him brother, indicating he was already saved. Listen, you have an experience like Saul did on that Damascus road where you see Jesus in the form of a light so bright that it blinds you, and you cannot see for three days, though your eyes are open, yet you cannot see, you will get saved. And he did get saved. Thus, he was already saved. So this was not the Holy Spirit coming to infill his dead human spirit, but rather this was the filling of the Holy Spirit that comes through the baptism in the Holy Spirit, a supercharging, if you will, of the Holy Spirit, because this is the baptism that Jesus gives, the baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire, as John, the original Baptist, referred to it. What happens in this baptism is similar to a pot of water that is totally full already, heating on a hot burner over a flame on a stove, and that water becomes supercharged by heat. And as the water begins to boil, the pot begins to be overfilled, and it overflows and rolls over and out of the pot. This is the kind of filling that happens with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That is what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is like. It is an immersion of the Spirit-infused human spirit 
in the waters of the Holy Spirit. Friends, I hope you understand how vital this teaching is you are hearing. The real truth regarding the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This issue is the most critical issue to the Christian life after salvation itself. Now, if you want that baptism in the Holy Spirit I've been talking about and would like to know more about it and how to receive it, I've written a book and even recorded an audio book of the book that will help you with that. The book title is Dunamis, Power from on High. You can order the book and audio book online on our website at realtruthradio.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and visit realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then, this is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God all things are possible and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose.